Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. On this Independence Day, we are going to be speaking with Commander Robert A. Green Jr., who is the author of Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines, a story of hope for those who love liberty. And it is my privilege on this Independence Day to welcome Commander Green, Navy Commander Green to the program and some comments about Commander Green. He has served as a volunteer on Truth for Health Military Advisory Council since we started the council in October of 2021. He was our first legal defense grant recipient from the Medical Freedom Legal Defense Grant Program defending human and civil rights secured by the Constitution under our laws that were being violated with the COVID mandates for emergency use authorization products. Clearly an unlawful order and mandate for military and civilian. In addition, Commander Green has been one of the Navy's most vocal and I would say courageous critics of the unlawful orders for required mandated use of EUA COVID test kits, COVID masking and the COVID injections. He has spoken out on the radio, he has been a federally protected whistleblower. He led the team that prepared the military's whistleblower report for Congress and the public. He has spoken on our press conferences about the harms, the threats to the Constitution. And he has also faced personal retaliation and punishment for simply exercising his constitutional rights to apply for a religious exemption, to refuse an experimental test that scientists and physicians have said all along was not valid in the first place and should never have been mandated. All the way along, Commander Green has stood on God's truth, the Constitution of the United States of America, to which he swore an oath to a Constitution, our Constitution, 
not the government or a political party or political person. And as someone descended from Richard Henry Lee, who was one of the signers of the original Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776, I take Independence Day very seriously. I take our Declaration of Independence very seriously, and I take our Constitution very seriously. We are not a constitutional republic at the moment because our rights under the Constitution have been usurped and trampled upon for the last three years under the COVID tyranny. But America has always been a constitutional republic with our natural rights to life and liberty granted by God, not the government. And all of these things I hold very dear because I am descended from people who fought, who risked everything, their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor, to stand for liberty as God's gift. So it is my pleasure to have Commander Green on the program on this Independence Day, the day that his book also launches to continue the fight for freedom in our constitutional republic. But also I'd like for him to share a little bit about the story of what happened to him personally in the Navy when someone who had risen to such responsibility in the Navy that he was the executive officer for the Navy security squadron overseeing and commanding about 650 people. And what the Navy did after he exercised his constitutional rights was to basically fire him and punish him to send him to be working from his car and refused to let him in the Navy facilities to carry out his duty to our country. It's a truly egregious story, and he is with us to share that story and share his big messages for America on this critical Independence Day where our independence and freedom is hanging by a thread, and it is up to all of us to help preserve it. Commander Green, thank you for your incredible years of service to our country and the military and your service to your faith, your God, and to all of us. Thank you, Dr. Vliet. Um, I will get into a little bit of my story, but before I do, I have to uh, share a couple words, uh, express some gratitude uh, to you, to the Truth for Health Foundation as a descendant of a signer of the Declaration of Independence, uh, you are living uh, an incredible legacy and you are carrying it on in a most powerful and courageous way. And I am incredibly grateful for everything that you've done. You've given so many of us in the military a platform, the ability to, to speak out and stand for our rights. Um, you've connected so many of us. Uh, it was an honor to volunteer with the Truth for Health Foundation Military Advisory Council, where I met so many other courageous folks I would not have met uh, had you not put that team together. Uh, so you are truly uh, living the legacy um, of your forebears, and I am incredibly grateful for what you've done. Thank you very much, Dr. Bleet. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. It's my my honor to do that. Very good. So I'll, I'll share a little bit uh, about my story. Um, uh, although uh, you, you opened with the book and, and the book is not about me, I have to share a few of my stories in the book a little bit um, in order to keep the narrative going. Uh, but the book is truly about uh, what the founding fathers did, what they left us, and then all of those who stood up and the harms that were uh, that were perpetrated. Um, so from my own uh, story, I have had a very successful career. I've been very blessed, um, had incredible teams that have worked for me through the years. Uh, and I was able to, uh, to rise to a, a fairly significant position as the executive officer of a maritime security squadron, about 650 people. Uh, and as I exercised my rights uh, to decline emergency use products, as I um, filed a religious accommodation request, uh, the Navy came out with a policy that basically banned those who de denied uh, taking emergency use products, they uh, denied access to them to their buildings, and we were not allowed to enter. Uh, and so for about two weeks, I was banned from my building, ordered not to enter, and uh, and so I would work for my car. And uh, it's it's humorous looking back on it, and uh, it was pretty snowy. This is New England weather in January, um, and I feel bad for some of my team members that had to come out and do business uh, with me during those two weeks. But um, that lasted about two weeks. Uh, and by the way, when I was ordered not to enter the building, I was also told I could not telework. So, um, you know, they were trying to put me uh, between a rock and a hard place, but I showed up to do my duty as best I could. And uh, I just feel bad for the team members that had to come out. But that's uh, ultimately they, they fired me about two weeks later and then uh, ordered me to work from home where the plan was, as far as I understand it, to ultimately discharge me from the service. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more of the story after that. But uh, we eventually did win an injunction in court. And that stopped them from discharging me and so many others uh, who they were planning to uh, unlawfully, uh, involuntarily separate from the service. Well, I just find it so appalling that, and, and ludicrous to think that someone who had risen to that level and that important role in command to be condemned to work from your car in January in New England. It's absolutely ludicrous. And, you know, I would say, honestly, that those commanders and the people responsible for that order should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. How childish and how irresponsible in carrying out their duties to America to pull stunts like that. It's really disgusting. Well, that is why uh, so many of us have uh, begun to try to raise awareness with the American people. Um, it's why I wrote the book. Uh, we need to make sure that this is not just brushed aside. Uh, you know, we are now, uh, you know, at, at, we are now many months after uh, the end of the, the declaration of national emergency for this. Um, they no longer mandate the shots, thanks to a, um, well, frankly, toothless uh, congressional uh, order, a, a congressional legislation that ordered the DOD to remove the mandate. Um, and we'll get into why that was not uh, that helpful for service members. But, um, you know, 
at this point, our leaders want to pretend that nothing happened. They want to pretend that everything is good. Uh, we did the best we could, um, but they have no intention of righting the wrongs. And so the reason I wrote the book is to make sure that, that we document this uh, for posterity's sake so that you know, our children and children's children know what we did and why we took the stand that we took. And I think it's very important to make sure that this is not brushed aside. We must hold those uh, folks who violated constitutional rights, broke the law. We must hold their feet to the fire. We must make sure that the American people understands so that this can never happen again. Well, that, that is exactly why Truth for Health Foundation and our team felt that we had to step up quickly, early in 2021 and shine light on this abuse of our volunteer military service members because it affected every person in the United States of America. You volunteer to serve this country for our, our national security, our military readiness. And here we were at a time of rising tension around the world and our military was being decimated of experienced people. And the American public had no clue because it was all taking place under the cloak of military secrecy, which just made me apoplectic as someone whose family members have served in the service for many years. And, and as someone who has valued what our military has always stood for and what our constitution has stood for. So, so that was one part of our role, but also the fact that these were experienced people, pilots and security analysts and trained operators in all kinds of specialty areas in the military, that there was a huge investment in your training and your experience. And they were just shoving all of that aside for a political agenda and violating the Constitution to do it. So the public does need to know about it. And they did not learn their lesson from the anthrax unlawful vaccine mandates 25 years ago. And the anthrax investigational vaccine was also mandated. And that was overturned in court several years later. And Congress passed protections under federal law that were violated again by this Department of Defense. And so uh, that your book is critically important. And it's, as you say, it's not about you. It's about the abuse of the Constitution and educating the public about that. So talk to us about the Constitution, what it really means, and why do military officers take an oath to the Constitution, not a president? Well, yeah, so thank you for, for that question. Um, it, it is incredibly important to understand the role that the Constitution plays uh, for those of us that serve in the military. Um, you, you allude to uh, the oath for the officers. It is different than the oath for enlisted service members. The oath for enlisted service members, uh, they, they swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic. They also swear to obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over them. Uh, the officer's oath 
does not have uh, the officer swear an oath to obey the orders of the president of the United States or the other officers over those officers. It, it doesn't have that in the constitutional oath that, that we take. Um, and the reason for that is, is pretty clear. Uh, the obligation that officers have, we're the screen by which we need to check the constitutionality and the legal uh, status of orders that we get. Uh, we should not be blindly following the orders of those above us. If there's any question at all about the constitutional or statutory status, that means the legal status of the order we receive, we're the ones that must check it. And so many of our senior leaders did not. And the mid-ranking uh, officers in all the services shrugged their shoulders and said, I'm just following orders. We've heard that before. It's not an excuse. It's not valid. No, you're exactly right. In fact, we heard that from the doctors in World War II under the Nazi regime, saying they were just carrying out orders to engage in horrific experiments on living human beings. And they were tried at the Nuremberg tribunals and found guilty and sentenced to death. Following orders is not an excuse if the law, if the order is unlawful. Right. And so it's important to understand when we swear an oath, we, we swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And so many of us in our younger years um, did not, we're, we're not thinking about the domestic, right? That's somebody else's problem. That's the police's problem. Uh, we think of the domestic threat as being the similar threat to the foreign threat, but they are not the same thing. That is something that I have recently discovered. And so many of us have recent, recently realized um, the military is specifically trained to defend against foreign aggression. That's what we're there for. That's one way that we can lose our country. We could have the constitution taken out from under us if a foreign power overthrows you know, our way of life and the constitution. So we defend against that. That's the, that's the enemy's foreign. The enemy's domestic, it's not the same sort of threat. The domestic enemy is the enemy who would trample your individual rights. The domestic enemy is the one who's going to uh, make federal uh, powers encroach upon your ability to live your life in freedom. And so it's, it's, uh, it's something that most of us did not realize until it, we were at the very last line of defense. There's no further uh, place for us to retreat to when our bodily integrity is threatened. There's nowhere else to go. We must defend our rights against this tyranny. You're exactly right, and that is so well said, and I think most people right now simply don't realize that that is a duty of our military officers. The, the military, uh, the, the, the members of the military, and this is not just the officers, this is officers and enlisted. When we join the military, we do not renounce our citizenship. We are still citizens of this country. We uh, have all of the same rights and freedoms that all other citizens have with a few uh, specific um, ex exceptions that we volunteer for, for the purposes of good order and discipline. Um, it's important to know in, in analyzing that, uh, that the constitution uh, does two main things. The constitution establishes the form of our government but more importantly, 
the Constitution limits that government for the purposes of enshrining individual rights. Individual rights has primacy in our Constitution. That is the point of the Constitution. We have to have some government, yes, but the individual rights are meant to have primacy over that. Uh, and what we have seen over, you know, made the last hundred years or so, uh, probably a little bit more, uh, but what we have seen is uh, a consolidating of power within uh, the, the branches of the federal government um, to the detriment of individual freedoms. I mean, I remember my, my grandfather um, when they started passing laws about seatbelts, and I don't think he ever had a problem wearing a seatbelt. But when the government told him he had to wear a seatbelt, he said, absolutely not. That is my, my own decision. I get to decide. Uh, you know, and, and in a way, if you look at the pioneers who, who bravely went across this country and settled it, um, we, we have lost that courage. And we have now uh, done the opposite of, of what uh, Patrick Henry, Henry asked for. Um, you know, we have given up liberty for the sake of safety. And that's, uh, and frankly, uh, there's only one place that ends, and that's in total tyranny. No, that, that is so true. And I, I think it has truly been something that's been very chilling for me to watch how quickly Americans capitulated to the COVID tyranny. With, almost without a whimper. It, it was frightening to behold. Yes, and, and that's part of uh, what I discuss in the book. Uh, it, it wasn't just a pandemic. It was a pandemic of fear. And uh, fear, it's, you know, God has instilled uh, that in human beings, uh, and it can be very useful. Uh, it can keep a person alive, uh, you know, your fight or flight reflex. Um, but it can also be weaponized, and that's what we saw. We saw the weaponization of fear in order to uh, attempt to achieve certain uh, political and cultural outcomes. Um, and those who were awake enough to see it, and, and it looks like most of the folks who were awake enough to see it were the ones who were closest to God. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so frankly, I think those folks were not blinded by um, the propaganda and, and the narratives that were propped up in order to incite fear in the populace. Well, I, I think you're right because people who are close to God, and that's something that has meant a lot to me to be involved with the foundation. And so many of our team members are very devout in their faith and people, they have different faith traditions, but they're devout in their commitment to their faith. And God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind and peace and love and acceptance that he is in control. And so when the fear mongering became so pronounced, it, it raises that spirit of discernment in someone who is close to God. Wait a minute. This isn't right. This, this isn't from God. And this isn't yeah. who we are. So, so I do think that that's exactly right. I have an important story to, to tell about fear. And I, and I speak to it a, a little bit in the book. Um, 
but there was a period where I had a significant amount of fear for my own career, for my family, what was going to happen. Um, I was threatened. Uh, you know, so many of us were threatened with dis disciplinary action. Um, folks were getting discharged. There were threats of court martials. Uh, and for those of us who were more senior, um, you know, we thought they were going to make an example out of us, and they did for a few uh, individuals. Um, and so there was the threat of jail time. So my wife and I trying to decide uh, what we would do. Uh, was I willing to go to jail, uh, to prison uh, for some period of time in order to stand up for what I believed in? Um, it, it didn't take long, some tough conversations, but ultimately that's the decision we made. Um, and uh, there, was, there was a period of time where I finally um, gave the whole problem to God, stopped worrying about it. And I had not uh, felt such peace and joy about the decision uh, since then. And it was about that time that I also uh, was introduced to the Truth for Health Foundation. And the Truth for Health Foundation uh, was a powerful part of helping me let go and let God in this uh, particular fight. Uh, being a recipient of the legal defense grant uh, was like getting cover fire when I was trying to take the hill. And so uh, to the donors out there, uh, it, it was an incredibly important part of my own journey and the journey of so many people uh, to have that cover fire as we are trying to go and right these wrongs. Uh, and so I am grateful for everything that you've done and uh, have have helped it to in, you know, envision this uh, overcoming of fear uh, for so many in the military and for the American people. Well, and that is exactly why we do every Tuesday evening, a faith over fear program, because I was determined to do what I could to help counter this fear propaganda that has been sapping the spirit of people across this country and around the world, because that is demonic to manipulate people through fear and lies is the spirit of evil. And it is the spirit that is anti-God and anti-Christ. And that, that is what I knew we had to stand against along with the violations of law and the violations of medical ethics and the violations of medical treatment and the violation of constitutional rights. First and foremost, we had to stand against the assault of evil rising and being unleashed. And I'm grateful that we could do that. And, and now I'd like to ask you, Commander Green, to talk further about why you and I both have been so vocal about saying that this order for civilians and military, it was orders from employers, it was mandates, coercion from employers, and it was an unlawful order to mandate experimental use products in the military, because there were no approved COVID shots. There were no approved COVID test kits 
there never were any approved masking products. So that's why we say it's unlawful. But let's talk more specifically about the ways that the Department of Defense broke the laws. Yes, uh, thank you. And I obviously do not speak for the Department of Defense. Um, I, I would hope that eventually we could uh, align in defense of the Constitution. But for now, I'm, I'm going to have uh, to speak this, uh, this truth, that, uh, that they violated the constitutional rights of service members and, and the law. Um, and ironically, the, the COVID-19 mandate, the order I received to receive a COVID-19 vaccine, regardless of regulatory status, was not the first unlawful order that I received uh, over the last few years. Now, I've been in the service in some capacity since uh, 2003, 2002, and, um, and I have, until recently, never received an unlawful order. I've received tons of orders, hundreds, maybe thousands of orders, uh, different kinds of orders, and, um, and had never experienced an unlawful order personally. That changed uh, in 2020 as part of the lockdown. Um, and, and that's where we started to see the encroachment of politics in the decision-making of our senior leaders. And so uh, the very first unlawful order, as far as I know, that I received came from Admiral Christopher Grady who is now the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And the order I received, uh, amongst other things, precluded me from in attending indoor religious services. And so, so that, that order um, was one that I absolutely knew was against my constitutional rights. And, uh, and so I was given a, and, and I speak to this a little bit in the book, um, how this went down, but I was given uh, the, the order in a document and the top of that document was said, I will abide by, and then I was directed to sign the bottom. So I refused to sign that document as written. I asked for the editable version of that document and changed it to, I acknowledge the following order. Um, and essentially uh, dared my chain of command. You can come spy on me and you can come find me and feel free to prosecute me for exercising my right to worship God. And, um, you know, and it was only it was, you know, two years before we found out that the FBI had already started a process to uh, to target uh, tradi traditional Catholics uh, and uh, and and as uh, trying to determine that they are somehow radicalized. Um, and so we got that from a whistleblower uh, from the FBI that they were already doing that. Uh, and so, you know, we saw this uh, consolidation of the federal government to go after uh, religious freedom first before they came after your medical freedom. We saw that under the Obama administration as well when they made a point to purge Christians and conservatives, at, particularly officers. I think the report that I saw was about 197 top military officers were purged under the last couple of years of the o Obama administration because they were Christian, conservative, and stood for their oath to the Constitution. Right. And, uh, and it's only gotten worse since then, unfortunately. 
Um, so then we were given, as you, as you mentioned before, we were given the order to uh, receive a COVID-19 product uh, that frankly uh, was not and had not gone through the FDA approval process. Um, the products that were provided to us were all EUA products, emergency use authorized products, which come with the right to either accept or refuse. The recipient, the potential recipient, never loses the right to refuse an experimental product. So I personally, and hundreds of service members personally, went into mil to military treatment facilities and asked for uh, the, the vials. Let's see what they say. And everyone, uh, every vial that we were shown, at least until uh, mid to, to 2022, every vial was an emergency use authorized product labeled right there. Uh, and mandating that product is a violation of the law, period. Well, and that law was strengthened after the court case over the anthrax unlawful order for the investigational anthrax vaccine. Congress further strengthened that federal law and said that everyone, well, they were specifically addressing the military but that they had the right to inform consent and the right to refuse an experimental product, period. Absolutely right. And uh, for, for context for your audience, so that, uh, that anthrax uh, was rolled out in uh, early 2000s. Uh, it, it eventually made it to that court case you're talking about in 20, uh, or 2004. And 2004 was when they finally got it shut down. It took a year after that, only a year, for Congress to turn around in 2005 and uh, strengthen those EUA laws, which the DOD is now violating or ha had been violating until uh, Congress rescinded the mandate. And you've been involved in a number of the programs that the foundation has done, press conferences and whistleblower reports and other radio shows about the Department of Defense violations of law. There's an extensive document on our website that we posted from the nine of you federally protected whistleblowers who wrote that report. Yes, and uh, we're, we're very grateful for, for your help in uh, getting that out there. Um, we came together, we brought all the evidence. Um, it was a, a whistleblower report to Congress that we wrote um, and uh, signed on the 15th of August. And, uh, 2022. And um, frankly, the, the DOD does not care. I mean, that's been submitted everywhere. Um, the evidence is provided to the inspector generals, um, but the inspector generals continue to dismiss the cases. They will not look into it. And so, you know, we have a problem, not only of breaking the law for the purposes of some political agenda, but then covering up uh, these violations of law uh, from the institution. These leaders they care about protecting the institution, not individual constitutional rights. Remember, the Constitution, it enshrines those individual constitutional rights. If you want to know who a domestic enemy of the Constitution is, he's someone who is unlawfully trampling your constitutional rights. That is the domestic enemy we're sworn to defend against. And Commander Green, the the public doesn't seem to fully appreciate the fact that it is up to the military officers 
to lead that defense against those who are violating the Constitution. Instead of persecuting you, everyone should be giving you medals of honor because you are doing what you are sworn to do. And the tyranny of usurping the constitutional rights for the military, America, all of you listening need to understand if the military service members' constitutional rights are being trampled upon to this degree that they are being threatened with unlawful termination from service, threatened with jail, punishment, retaliation, weaponizing federal agencies against them, such as Child Protective Services, for example, and weaponization of behavioral health, and corrupting the Christian message of compassion by weaponizing it, that you are somehow being, you lack compassion if you don't get the experimental shot that damages the body and the human genome that God gave you. All of this weaponization turned against our military service members is happening to civilians as well. If our military goes down under this assault on their freedom, who is left to defend all of the rest of us? That's one reason that I'm so passionate about trying to get this information to the public, because all of you defend the rest of us. Yes, and, and frankly, we have not, as, as an institution, as the Department of Defense, uh, we have not done a great job of that. Uh, there are a few. I'm trying to be one of them as best I can. There are a few who are standing up with a loud voice and standing for truth. Um, do we deserve medals? I, I doubt it. Um, you know, we're just trying to do the best we can in a, in a tough environment. Um, but uh, in my particular case, you know, being fired from my job and sent outside for a couple of weeks, um, that it's really a small price to pay in order to try to do the right thing. There are so many service members who have been harmed in so much more egregious ways. Uh, and I try to weave those stories throughout this book to make sure that, um, that we do not forget, that we do not let federal government perpetrate these sorts of harms again against American citizens. It is, it is frankly not okay. We have to stop this. So, um, so those are the folks, those who... Uh, stood up to this, who were harmed in uh, in very uh, egregious ways. Uh, those are the folks that um, that frankly uh, need need to need to get the recognition they deserve for uh, for standing up when uh, when you know the coercion was significant. And I think that's one of the really powerful aspects of your book that you do bring in so many other people and what they have done to stand against the domestic enemies and defend the constitution. And you talk about the damage, the and these harms are continuing. For all of our listeners, don't think this has ended just because they made a show in the public that the mandates were ended. 
the DOD has not stopped the punishment and persecution of our military service members because we continue to do programs interviewing people who are continuing to be punished. We just had another one of our legal defense grant recipients and military advisory council members terminated from the service and they refused to even hear his court case about the abuses and retaliation as a federally protected whistleblower, also a violation of federal law. The violations of federal law are rampant in the military right now. And the Department of Defense is continuing those harms. Perhaps you can speak to those in, in the time that we, we have on the program tonight. Yeah, so part, part of what we're struggling with at this point, when, the, when Congress rescinded the mandate via the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act, that's the legislation that funds the Department of Defense, they directed the Department of Defense to remove the mandate. Uh, the DOJ, who is representing the DOD in court in the various uh, cases that we have right now against Department of Defense over the mandate, they rushed to court as soon as they possibly could to file dismissal uh, requests with these courts to have the cases thrown out as moot. Um, and so at this point, the recension of the mandate is being used by the federal government not to ensure it will never happen again. Instead, they're trying to make sure that it's all blown over and that there's no final rulings in federal court on any of these cases. Remember, the preliminary injunctions are what stopped the mandate. We, we bled out over 8,500 service members before we finally put a stop to it via the federal court. And it took those preliminary injunctions to do that, but those were preliminary. There was no final ruling yet. And uh, without some final rulings in this case, it is highly likely that this is going to happen again. Yes, and that was part of their game. It's part of the reason that the Department of Defense appeared to go along with Congress's demand to end the mandate because they could use it to argue that the cases were moot. Now, many good attorneys are still fighting in those court cases to argue the opposite that it's not moot, that damage has been done, that damage has not been repaired, and service members have not been made whole, nor are any seeming to be made whole going forward. Yeah, there, there was no uh, guidance in that legislation to, for the Department of Defense to reinstate anyone who had been kicked out, which is mind-blowing to me because we are in one of the deepest recruiting and retention crises in recent memory. And uh, you have many thousands of folks, and it's not just the 8,500 that were involuntary, involuntarily separated. We're talking about a bunch who left voluntarily because they, their trust was betrayed by senior leaders. So we're talking about tens of thousands of service members that are right there, that the DOD has not tried to, rein, to reinstate. They have not offered back pay. They do not care because these are not the service members they want. These are service members that are not malleable. They are not compliant with unlawfulness. These are service members that will stand up for their rights. 
These are not the service members they want. And you mentioned the harms. The harms are continuing. Uh, I was in discussions with a Navy pilot who, uh, because of the mandate, because of exercising his religious rights under the law to not receive the, the vaccine, he was removed from his position as a department head. He had received a bonus to do that job. The, the Navy removed him from that position and sidelined him for two years. And now that the mandate is gone, they are still coming after him to get that bonus back that he received as part of doing that job. They're demanding $40,000 from him uh, that he had rightfully earned to do three years of, of duty. And, um, and, and so they're doing these little things to, uh, to continue to harm those who stood up for their rights. And the, the attitude, the punitive retaliatory attitude and weaponizing the agencies has, has been very chilling when you look at the history of totalitarian governments around the world. That is not what America's constitution has stood for and our founders vision of a government by the people, for the people, and of the people has been absolutely ripped apart in these, particularly in the last three years. It, yes, it's absolutely true. Um, and uh, frankly, if we do not get in front of this problem, uh, and we do not continue to do what, what you're doing so powerfully, uh, in speaking the truth and helping wake up the American people, then we're going to be um, seeing the the ongoing dismantling of the Constitution. Now, there are so many um, folks out there who think that the Constitution is an outdated document. Uh, they want it gone. Um, you know, these are radical people who do not believe uh, in what the country was founded upon. Uh, and they are fighting to dismantle the Constitution any way they can. They have co-opted uh, the federal agencies, uh, the deep state, in order to um, for further their agenda. Um, and the federal government is perfectly willing to go along with this because they are consolidating power. And we've certainly seen that with the weaponization of the Department of Justice, weaponization of the FBI, the hiring of 87,000 armed IRS agents, and yet the blatant tax evasion, tax fraud, and bribery going on among the top leaders, political leaders, is totally swept under the rug. Yeah. Now, I, I avoid um, all of that as much as I can because I do not have firsthand knowledge of that. But what I do have firsthand knowledge of, I saw service members who... Uh, struggling with their mental health, who were isolated, verbally abused, harmed in various ways. Um, and I make sure that we speak to that. Uh, and I write about that in my book. And you, one of the things that you'll, you'll learn about um, for all of your audience out there is uh, the difference between uh, the COVID-19 uh, alleged virus deaths and the suicide numbers. It's shocking when you first hear it, but there were only 96 deaths attributed to the COVID-19 virus in the military 
over the three years that the pan the, that the pandemic was going on between uh, 2020 and uh, the end of 2022. During that exact same period of time, remember 96 deaths attributed to the virus during that exact exact same period of time, 1,460 committed suicides, completed suicides by service members. We were focusing on the wrong pandemic. We were isolating and abusing service members. We were sending them uh, to um, uh, for 14 days in isolation to make sure that they weren't sick with something that they were surviving at 99.997% survival rate. And at the, in the same time, uh, we're destroying their mental health and, uh, you know, and, and frankly, focusing on the wrong problem and misprioritizing what we truly needed to focus on for our readiness. Well, and that, that is absolutely heartbreaking. And I was aware of that horrific statistic. Again, the leaders of the Department of Defense should be absolutely ashamed by their actions because I've, I've personally interviewed many service members who went through exactly that kind of isolation. And, and it, is, it is a devastating blow when, when you have volunteered your life in service to our country. And, and it is a very hard road back from that type of psychological trauma and abuse. And they're not, they're to this day, not getting the help and support that they need to recover because that was that was a trauma that is the definition of trauma and to be made to feel totally powerless is one of the leading precipitants of suicide and the fact that that has been swept under the rug is just as appalling as so many of the other abuses that have been swept under the rug you cannot pretend that this did not happen. And I come back to something that I have said often in quoting someone that I have just the greatest respect for, and that is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a Lutheran minister, one of the few Christian pastors in Germany during World War II who stood up to the evil of the Nazi regime. There were more than 12,000 pastors in Germany who remained silent, and only a few hundred spoke out. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of the most vocal and ultimately, tragically, was put to death for his resistance to evil. But his quote is one we all need to be thinking about today. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And Commander Green, I am so honored to know you, to have worked with you since the fall of 2021, to have been able to help get your message, your whistleblower reports out to the public. And you are someone who clearly can stand before God on judgment day 
and say, Lord, I was not silent. And I acted against the evil that was unleashed on us. Your closing words to our audience. Well, I talk about it in the book. It's the call to arms. And this is not armaments. This is not drawing swords. The armaments that you need, you need personal courage and faithfulness. We must be true to the truth. We must be faithful to our consciences. We must stand for the Constitution. And that is the message of Independence Day that our founders who risk their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to sign that Declaration of Independence. That is the legacy they gave us. Will you be part of those who stand for independence today? This is not just the 4th of July party time. This is our independence at stake. And this is Independence Day that we honor and remember all who have fought that we could live as free human beings, one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Thank you so much, Commander Green, for being part of this very special Independence Day. And we will help get your book, Defending the Constitution Against Enemies, Foreign and Domestic. We will help get that to more people. Thank you very much, Dr. Bleed. An honor to be here with you. Thank you. 